Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Beautiful, beautiful, and I do mean beautiful Wednesday here in the fine city of Chicago. Spring has sprung. The grass is riz. I do wonder where the birdies is. Big Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock talking uh, college basketball. March Madness, big NBA game tonight. The Miami, the Heat, taking on the Bulls. At the United Center. I think it's at the United Center. Got to check home location there. Big game. Got Blackhawks and Blues tonight. Got a lot of stuff off the sports page as well. The dog and the coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. A little bit of music and then we will kick this puppy off. Big dog, I gotta tell you, I had a thought coming in. Feel free to nix it, but I've got the info up here if you want to go ahead with it. David Olson, our producer, and our two guys that are Mike listeners who were not privy to the uh, somewhat mid morning sensation that was the morning break have never heard a Midwest fishing and hunting report. I thought, in honor of the unseasonably spring like weather, we'd try a Midwest hunting and fishing report right in the middle of all the March Madness talk again. With your permission, you are allowed to nix it. How are you, buddy? Uh, as a Bears fan, I'm doing absolutely phenomenal. As a as a human being, I'm doing even better. But my conscience is aching a little bit over the Bears signing. That's all. That's all. All right. So thumbs up with the Bears. Big thumbs up uh, for your overall energy level and feel good today, but a thumb down possibly for the little guy on the side of your ear called your conscience. Yeah, like let's just say I'll be watching the Brandon Marshall signing with one eye closed and me, hiding behind the window, like uh oh. Yeah, let oh. me read something for you here for all those people that are all thrilled and excited about Brandon Marshall coming to the Chicago Bears. By the way, in addition he to the, he is by the way the best receiver I think they've had since Ken Cavanaugh, coach. <laughs> since Ken Cavanaugh. Yeah. Was Ken Cavanaugh pre Johnny Morris? Uh, he's pre- he was the first great receiver in the history of the NFL. Don Hudson then overtook Ken Cavanaugh as the greatest receiver okay. in, in football. Don Hudson, Don Hudson was I'm the familiar. Best in the NFL in the 30s. Okay, and I'm being serious. Better than uh, Dick Gordon. He was better than Dick Gordon. Ken Cavanaugh averaged like 27 yards a catch, led the NFL in touchdowns back mm-hmm. in 1927. All right, well, I'll this be the first the receiver in 85 years in the, on the Bears. I'm not kidding. Which, you know, again, you're talking 85 years, but that's not saying a whole lot because the Bear Bear quarterbacks and wide receivers over the years are not exactly uh, uh, fully rampant with Hall of Famers, to put it mildly. Sid Luckman, Coach. Yeah, keep going. And there's no other receiver that is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> So there's never been a Chicago Bear receiver. Well, of course, tight end, Michael Ditka. Mike Ditka, yes. So, yeah, yeah, but Mike a wide Ditka. receiver for the Bears in their 80. How many years are the Bears? How old are the Bears? Uh, the Bears started in 1919. So, you know, that will be, mm-hmm. what, this is like the 80. Yeah. Cool. 
93 years or so. So in about six years, we can celebrate 100 years of Chicago Bear football. Very cool. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be phenomenal. Let's hope both of us are, are happy and healthy and around for that celebration. Be careful driving. Big Doe, we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show, too, as we have an event coming up tonight. But I forgot to mention in our preview, we'll be talking a lot of uh, NFL free agency as well. Let me read you this, Big Doe, just to get your conscience kicked up in high gear. Brandon yeah. Marshall had issues off the field in school. At Central Florida, he was charged with assault on a law enforcement officer. He pleaded a DUI arrest in Colorado, and he got that down to driving while impaired. The Rocky Mountain News report reported sheriff's deputies were called to Marshall's home 11 times. 11 times in a two-and-a-half-year span. In 2008, he put his arm through a television set, a story he originally explained by slipping on McDonald's wrapper. March of 2009, he was charged with disorderly conduct following a disagreement with his fiancée, now his wife in Atlanta. Last April, his wife was arrested after allegedly stabbing Marshall. Marshall has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. So uh, there you go. There's the rap sheet down in your uh, brand-new wide receiver. For the Chicago Bears. Hope that got your well, conscience you, you, you don't know the new one, do you? He knocked out a woman in a nightclub on Saturday or Sunday morning. Serious. That, well, the woman, supposedly, we don't know what happened first, okay, but supposedly the woman hit Marshall's wife in the face. And by the way, Marshall's wife is involved in, like, every one of the incidents. I think she might be the issue. Honestly, Coach. College, they live together, beating her up. Colorado lived together, beating her up. Miami, they didn't. He didn't beat her at all while they were in Miami. Okay, but maybe this one was a little bit of an issue because somebody else is hitting her in the face with a with a, a bottle in a nightclub. Actor mm-hmm. out and and like um, gave her a black eye. So supposedly Brandon Marshall punched the woman. That's that's the story that. And this is out. this past weekend, Sunday morning. So the Bears, when they signed Brandon Marshall, were well aware of that story. I'm assuming. They knew of it. That's okay. why when we, when we were like, oh, my goodness, three, two-second, two-third-run draft picks for a, for a, a top-eight receiver in the league. But when my roommates and I were going, and then I was like, hey, well, then I reminded everybody. We were like, hey, we've got a couple social issues, and then I'm not kidding you. Somebody's like, well, I wonder what he did lately. I forgot who said it. Somebody yelled out, I wonder what he did lately mm-hmm. that uh, the Bears got him so cheap. Well, we figured it out. Any of our two guys that are Mike fans, uh, you want to talk about the pickup for the Chicago Bears? Other signings in the NFL. We got some late breaking news we want to bring up to you in a minute. Big Dog, 888-463-6748. The phone number, 888-463-6748. I will be the first to admit to you, Big Dog, I've seen extremely limited amount of Brandon Marshall football. So I will take your word for it that he is a top eight receiver, but You've heard me say this before. The older I get, the more I like. I, mean, I still love sports, but I like to root for teams and people that I like. Winning is important, but it's not all about winning. And maybe this comes with age. But I enjoy rooting for a team that I, I appreciate the people. And I, and I don't know Brandon Marshall. Maybe it is a, a mental illness he's got to get over. Maybe at the core, he's a pretty good guy. But there sounds like there's some attitude issues, and I like rooting for good people, but that's just me. No, no, I'm with you. I like rooting for good people, too. And who knows? I I guess he does. He has been on medication, and there's been no incident since he's been on the medication Mm -hmm. until somebody allegedly hit his wife in the face with a beer bottle. So to be quite honest with you, 
I can't even imagine Lily the Lilac doing anything that would ever instigate somebody wanting to fight her over it. But if somebody hit her in the face with a beer bottle, I would not be in right frame of mind to maybe ecologically at that mm-hmm. point, Coach. Good the point. Best way I know I could tell you that. So this this could be different than some of the other incidences he's been involved with. Could be. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm definitely, like I said, I'm like happy they got a number one receiver, but I'm watching it with one eye open, okay, and ready to duck around the corner because and be like, oh, I I, I knew this was going to happen, you know. So that's. Well, and Big Dog, I like I like the way you described it at the beginning of the show. And you, I would think, knowing you as I've known you and some of the stories you've related in your past, you've had an ongoing battle between the heart of Joel Redwanski and your conscious over the years. Give our listeners a brief overview of how that battle has gone, almost like a sports game, like a tennis match, mono versus mono, conscious versus your enjoyment level. Take it through the early years up to uh, now you're near 40-something age. Well, I, I continue to win, and I continue to do the things I'd rather do. Okay. So I wake up every morning, and I would be like, yeah, I'll do what I want, uh, what I choose to do today. So I would so, have to say I'm winning that battle. If it was like a tennis match, the conscious has won a few games, but every set, the inner Joel still wins. Could I put it that way? Yes, yes. And, and typically when my conscience doesn't win out, <laughs> I'm unconscious that by the end of the night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when your conscious finally does win, you're unconscious and you have no recollection of it. Yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> that's a great. Con- sounds like a win-win situation for everybody. Yes, yes. <laughs> I like that. Yes, David. Let me just point out a couple of things on this whole Brandon Marshall. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to point something out on Joel's conscious. Well, it, well, first of all, people are saying that. This the incident over the weekend is what prompted the trade. The Dolphins wanted to wash their hands of the guy, yep. okay? okay because the league, the league, the league is investigating this, and he could be suspended, okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, it is in his contract that if he does get suspended for any reason, it voids six million of his nine point three million dollar wow. guaranteed contract. That's in so, his new contract with the yes. Bears. Well, no, it's in his current contract oh. that the Bears picked up when Where they traded they trade for. for. Yeah, yeah so. which they traded for. So, if he ends up getting suspended, the Bears get quite a deal. Well, what ends up? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. If he gets suspended, the Bears really, and all of a sudden the guy will be a free agent. He's like, wow, I have no money now. I am totally effed. I have to really. Be straight legs, do whatever the Bears say, and, and try to make a new contract. Is what's going to end up happening. The Bears really got him by the you-know-what. And all they gave up was three, two third-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it really makes a lot of sense for the Bears, especially if Jay Cutler has vouched for him, said he's a good kid, you know, all this other stuff. Cutler has talked to Brandon Marshall since this incident has happened, just to let everybody know. They've talked to each other. So the Bears players know what they're getting. They know they're getting a, like a, a ticking time bomb ready to explode. And Lovely. So, so that's, that's the thing is, like, he hasn't had many incidents with teammates, though, Coach. Do, do you see what I'm getting at? It's always mm-hmm. been away from football where he acts a fool. And let's just, let's just, he acts a fool. 
when he was with Denver, I don't remember like issues like, oh, get me to Baltimore, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there, it's always been off-field stuff. And he comes into the team and everybody's like, we really like Brandon. He's a good guy. It just seems like everywhere he goes, that hopefully, happens. Hopefully the Bears have done their research on that because that is critical. And I did. I thought I read in one or two places where he did over his career have a few issues with not getting the ball and, and made similar statements to who, who was famous for that, Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens. Yeah. yeah, Terrell Owens. Yeah. yeah. So, I, mean, I know, remember a little bit of that, but not much. Like, not much. Help me out, Big Dog, for the average NFL fan who doesn't normally catch Denver Bronco football. We've seen a few highlights. I don't think I've ever seen from start to finish a game of Brandon Marr. Describe for us uh, what kind of receiver is he? Uh, by the way, he's played for the Dolphins the last uh, three seasons and has been unbelievable down there, even though Chad Henney has been throwing the ball. Before this year, they didn't have anybody as a running back to have any threat. He was like the only offensive weapon. So he is a number one receiver, and he's had over 1,200 yards in receptions like two or three times, Coach. That's big time. Nowadays, anybody can get a 1,000. Remember Curtis Conway yep. and Jeff Graham? Marty Booker, these guys had a thousand yards for the race. Thousand yards, like one thousand two yards, is doesn't is that impressive? Well, Brandon Marshall's had a, like a thirteen hundred yard season. He's six four, about two hundred and thirty pounds. Okay. The guy is massive for a wide receiver. And the thing about him, you would see this guy that's totally undisciplined. Blah blah blah. He runs perfect routes, coach. Mm-hmm. That that's... is one thing about Brandon Marshall. He's always, he's always run real good routes. And the thing about Brandon Marshall is he wants the ball so much and he wants to make so many catches, he loves running 15-yard in. He has no problem running an in-cut and getting hammered by a safety or a linebacker. The guy has got huevos the mm-hmm. size of the football coach. Interesting. And he goes and gets it. And he also runs after the catch. Don't expect him to fly past anybody with blazing speed. You know, like, he, he'll be a good deep threat because – he could, he's, his body is so big, he can position his body around a little corner and catch the ball. He's not going to Randy Moss or, you know, blow right past you, and all of a sudden he's running the nine route, and you're like, uh-oh, he's gone. That isn't going to happen, but everything else as a wide receiver, he has, Coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jay, so- Jay Cutler had mentioned uh, not only, you know, that he got along with Brandon Marshall, but the one thing he pointed out is the uh, cerebralness, for lack of a better word, the uh, court sense. To make a basketball analogy of Brandon Marshall has a great feel and a great intelligence for the uh, passing game. And in in order, if he, if color saying that, you wouldn't say that about a, a receiver that didn't run great routes. Mm-hmm. That's like the one thing I remember about Brandon Marshall. Like his, he keep he always has his butt real low, coach. And when you're running like that, your butt low, you can stop and cut on a dime. And and if you can do that as a receiver. And all of a sudden, you know, if Jay Cutler has the ability to really count on a receiver in certain pass routes, everybody else is going to open up. And considering now that the Bears' number one threat in the passing game is a guy that they could line up 25 yards away from the ball as an ex-receiver and totally put the defense kind of a little bit on the island, how much better is Matt Forte excuse me, going to be with this coach? Mm-hmm. Really, how much better can Matt... He's their number one receiver and the running option. I mean, so you have eleven guys like looking back at the backfield, be like, "All right, make sure twenty-two doesn't beat us." Emailer well, Bobby from Bolingbroke uh, asked Joel, "Don't you think this is going to hinder the receiving development of Devin Hester?" <laughs> yes, it will <laughs> greatly. It's going to completely hinder that uh, development. 
it'll hinder it so much you'll be a full-time kick returner, huh? Uh, well, you, you know, it's, it's funny that, that, that he brings that up because there has been talk of, oh, the Bears got Eric Weems, so maybe Devin Hester is going to be uh, utilized more as a receiver. Absolutely not. Eric Weems and Devin Hester are going to end up sharing the kick returning duty. Mm-hmm. Eric Weems is there more to replace Corey Graham yes. than he is to replace Devin Hester. Yep. Well, right when they signed him, it was, it was funny. People were like, oh, but he's a kick returner. I'm like, that guy is a bullet. He is, he reminds, he's a larger version and, and actually a better tackler than what Garrett Wolf was mm-hmm. on special. Remember how good little Garrett Wolf was? Well, phenomenal. For the Bears, in fact, over the years, and I'm not going to be able to name all the names, but was it Benny Iambadagio, one of them? Oh, that's, a, oh, that's another one. And big, Brandon, both of the Iambadagios as a bear were killing it, people. It goes all the way back to, I don't know if you remember a guy named Gary Cousins, but they've had a great tradition yeah. of having one or two guys on their special teams that are just absolute gunners, hitmen, whatever you want to call them, and the Bear fans love them. So I, I, Eric, I remember... There's been so many of those guys. Corey Graham has been the latest for the Bears. Total surprise and, and, for most Bear fans. Total surprise. But he was great last year. Yeah, and it, it wasn't really a surprise for us because he used to come on the morning break. He was like one of the few Bear players that would come on regularly. I've always loved Corey Graham because of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if he's been signed by anybody else, but the Bears basically think the guy's going to get starter money and be a starter somewhere else. And they were like, well, we're not going to. He's a good special teams guy. So this, I like the Weems signing for that. Now, if it means less kick returns for Devin Hester, then I'm like, no, no, that's not what I want, guys. Please, just have Eric Weems as like your backup special teams guy. Unless they're going to trade Devin Hester, coach. Mm-hmm. They did re-sign uh, Tim Jennings, which I think is a good move. He's been a uh, yeah. bit of a surprise, solid player. Now, the little, the little mini two-sentence little paragraph after the – you know, six-page story, it's all about Brandon Marshall. And you know me, I'm a backup quarterback guy. I oh, always say at the start of an NFL season, you know, you're making all your picture, all your predictions. Everybody, for, or even when you're analyzing a Super Bowl, people forget the backup quarterback, and the dude is one hit away from stepping in and playing the most marquee, most influential position in all of sports. So that little two-sentence paragraph, oh, by the way, the Bears picked up Jason Campbell as a backup quarterback. Might turn out Big Dog to be ten times more significant than the Brandon Marshall signing. Your thoughts on Jason Campbell? No, you're, you're exactly right. It's it's one year too late. You know, don't want to do the woulda, coulda, shoulda. But yep. honestly, if you, the only way I can describe how smart this Jason Campbell signing is is imagine if it was a year earlier and Jason Campbell was the Bears quarterback the last six games of the season. They lost a bunch of really close games with a quarterback that was playing at an extremely low level. Mm-hmm. So if Jason Campbell's their last year, think about it. They win two of those five games that they lose, and all of them besides one, I think all of them might have been a really close game. They're in the playoffs last year. And Cutler could have played against the Vikings in the last game. Obviously, no Black Bears, smart mm-hmm. Bears fan, wanted him to play in the last game. They, luckily, they won that. They were so eight. overall, uh, it's early. There's a lot of seats still available, but early on, you're in the uh, you're on the Phil Emery, brand new general manager of the Bears, Phil Emery bandwagon. It sounds like you are approving day one of the Phil Emery regime. He had me at Omeye. <laughs> he had me at Omeye. <laughs> Yeah, that, coach. That the, was, the first move, when your first move as a GM <laughs> is cut Frank on my hand, you get it. You understand it. Uh, okay, you under, 
And then the second move is to write a uh, statement that said, we thank Anthony Adams for his contribution to the Bears, <laughs> and then you cut him. So it's like you give the finger to the one. The first thing you do is kick the worst guy on the team out the door. And then you say to a guy that's a deserved player, sorry, we can't keep you around, but we've drafted pretty well at defensive tackle. Uh, I can see, see it now. Phil Emery, you know, if the Bears win like five Super Bowls in a row, Phil Emery becomes the most famous GM in professional sports, and the book is written. What a great title. He had me. At Omaye, the story of Hall of Fame general manager Phil Emery. Now, David Olson, you got some late breaking news on you. You know, Brandon Marshall, six four, two twenty three, big, strong receiver who can go up and get it. The best receiver in the NFL fits that description, and he signed for how much, David? Uh, Calvin Johnson has signed a seven year extension. Extension. Yeah, seven year extension, one hundred and thirty two million. Oh. Sixty million guaranteed. Oh. And it is the richest deal ever. In the NFL, it beats Larry Fitzgerald's deal. Wow, that's eighteen point eight six million dollars. Sixty million guaranteed, big dog. Wow, which is the key number in a football contract is how much is guaranteed. So he could be, you know, hunting this weekend. And our Midwest hunting and fishing report is coming up. He could go hunting this. Forget to wear camouflage. Somebody mistakes him for. You know, some wild animal shoots him career over, and he can sit around and still make $60 million. He does not want to go hunting in Wisconsin, Coach. You have an excellent point. I didn't say Wisconsin, but that's definitive. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that. And the way I look at it is this, is uh, Calvin Johnson is incredible. He's one of the great receivers I've ever seen ever. Yeah. And, I, and I, call, I called that at Georgia Tech. I was like, Coach, they got some beast at Georgia Tech, if you remember. And I, I'm glad he got that much money because now what are the Lions going to do? They have $132 million wrapped up in a guy that's 25 yards away from the ball. What are they going to pay? They're going to end up paying and Dominic and Sue the same amount of money. And then eventually they're going to find out that the, that their coach over there, Coach Schwartz, was putting out bounties on players on the other team, and he'll eventually be kicked out of football. <laughs> and that's all going to happen. Uh-huh. It was, right when they started talking about the Saints, the first thing I thought was Detroit. They don't know it. They're, again, messing up their team. They don't know how to build a team. Okay. If you really are paying that much money to a receiver, what are they going to pay Stafford and Indomitian and Sue? They're going to have three players on the roster they're paying $20 million a piece to. Mm-hmm. Not a good way to build yeah, a team. Yeah, the uh, who's the field goal kicker or punter? Stephen Pia or something like that. The field goal so kicker was, is not very was... not very happy. Oh, there's Nick Harris is their punter, and yeah. he's awesome, coach. He is unbelievable. He's probably one of their most yeah. effective offensive players outside of Calvin Johnson. He may be awesome, but he's upset because apparently punter money has been uh, sidetracked into wide receiver money. So you got some That's angry called... punters and field goal kickers over in Detroit right now. That's called reallocation, coach. Ah, is that the money's been reallocated to what the what Lions deem a more important uh, position, and actually, I would too. Interesting, Calvin Johnson. By the way, for me, and again, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog and the coach here, and the two guys at a mic. Show your thoughts on NFL free agency. We'll get to March Madness. Don't worry, because the madness did begin yesterday. We got to get to that for sure. One hour show. It goes way too quick here, but um, he was a second, the best. College receiver I ever saw, Big Doug, the guy I thought was a pure lock, turned out to be an NFL bust, and that was USC wide receiver Mike Williams. Well, uh, I thought he was a lock. I thought he was going to be a, a really good receiver. And if you think about it now, 
he's he came out and had a good year last year. You know that. So it's not like he's a total bust. Okay. The guy that I, I, I the greatest college receiver I ever saw is Calvin Johnson. And I have that written on uh, on my all-time college team. That was from way back. But Charles Rogers of Michigan State. So it happened. So, you know, it's just like how everybody just assumes that <laughs> Andrew Buck and Robert Griffin the third and all these other players are going to be phenomenal. There's going to be a few. Charles Rogers ran a 4-2 at the combine and was six foot four and a half inches tall and had the greatest hands anybody in college had. And then he decided... He broke his clavicle bone, got addicted to painkillers, and now he's somewhere in a crack house smoking crack mm-hmm. right now. It's one of the saddest stories. Mm-hmm. It really is a sad Guy never touched drugs, all of a sudden gets addicted to painkillers in the NFL, and, you know, he's a number two overall pick, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Next thing you know, seriously, Coach, like, no one knows where he's at. Wow. So, like, there's, there's, there's I was not, bugs. Not, not aware of that. That's, that, that is truly sad. There are busts and there are busts. Mike Williams made it back into the NFL and mm-hmm. caught like six passes last season. Charles Rogers is, you know, doing things for money just so he can smoke crack. So there's mm-hmm. there's different levels of busts in the world. Sounds like a segment of desperate uh, wide receivers here in the Two Guys in a Mike Show. While we're on the uh, <laughs> yeah. segment, might as well finish it out. You mentioned Randy Moss earlier in the show. He has signed with Jim Harbaugh and the San Francisco 49ers and Pierre don't call me the waiter. Garcon has signed with the Washington Redskins. And by the way, as a side note on Brandon Marshall, the Redskins were desperate for a difference-making wide receiver. Mike Shanahan, the longtime coach of Brandon Marshall, never even a sniff to come get Brandon Marshall. But they got Pierre Garcon now. Yeah, it's uh, that's it. I don't. They only paid him eight million dollars a season, but still, that's an awful lot of money for a guy that isn't a difference maker. And Pierre Garcon. Pierre Garcon is a decent. Yep. He's the number two receiver to pay him eight million dollars. The Redskins, they, they just more money wasted for them. Uh, speaking of that, I absolutely love what Roger Goodell does. Uh, coach, if any uh, commissioner in sports, who's the one you don't mess with, especially when he says something, don't do it. I'm sure all of them feel they're that way, but Goodell of all of them is the one you don't mess with. Well, he told everybody we're going to have an uncapped year. Don't do anything dirty with money. Don't try to manipulate contracts. Don't front load them. He says, if you front load them, we will penalize you. Well, guess what Daniel Schneider, your guy, Daniel Schneider of the Redskins, decided <laughs> to do in the uncapped year last year. Guess what he decided to do? He yeah. front loaded all the money. He front like so like when he gave a guy a contract, just so for in I guess it was actually the two thousand ten year was the uncapped year. Say you sign somebody in 2010 and you're like, oh, we're going to give you a five-year, $20 million deal. And the guy's like, I'm worth more than $4 million a year. Oh, don't worry. You're going to get $10 million in the first year. Then we're going to cut you in two years. Okay? And the guy's like, oh, okay, no problem. Well, they do that to five or six guys. Guess what? Goodell pulled that $36 million off the Redskins salary cap. Schneider can spend no money. So he wasted. He only had like $10 million in salary cap, and he put $8 million on Pierre Garçon. You know what? He, he might be doing Daniel Snyder a favor because all the guy's done since taking over the Washington Redskins is spend, 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 and buy, 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 and it hasn't worked at all. Maybe now, with no money, maybe now they'll develop a little bit of team chemistry and Daniel Snyder will figure out you don't have to buy superstars to get a winning team. You need good people with good coaches and a good uh, uh, program. 
i.e. the Theo Epstein, the Cubs way, you know, develop the Redskin way, uh-huh. do it the right way, instead of bringing in all these multi-million dollar players every year, has not worked for the guy and he's been trying it for what, over a decade now? Well, here's the thing, Coach, it's funny you say that because they were, they're getting a, a rookie quarterback, so now they kind of have to build for the future. Well, they, they gave away a second round this year and the, ne- the next two first round picks, mm-hmm. so they're kind of... You, if you're Robert Griffin III, you got to look at it and be like, really? This is what I'm going into? i got the worst owner in football, and I, I think they're not going to be able to add any top like draft picks over the next couple of years? So all the burdens on me, the best receiver you have is Pierre Garçon? Mm-hmm. So when Robert Griffin III ends up being you know, a decent quarterback three years from now, is it because he, he didn't live up to expectations, or is it the fact that He's playing for the Washington Redskins, and Pierre Garçon is his, his top receiving threat, and Daniel Snyder keeps throwing money at a bunch mm-hmm. of people that used to be good five years ago. That's a great point. Great point. Big dog alluding to the fact the Washington Redskins, I don't think we had time to bring it up on our uh, show, but a couple of days ago traded a lot of draft picks, particularly uh, huh? to move up to get the number two pick of the draft. Andrew Luck obviously going to Indianapolis, and they're going to take Robert Griffin the third, so they're putting all eggs in the RG3 basket. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. They, they've had a lot of gambles in the past. Very few have paid off, and that's a uh, hell of a fan base down in Washington, the Redskins fans, big dog. And, well, yeah. you know, all you, all you got to do is look back to the Redskins teams that won. Those were not superstar-laden teams. Those were the Hogs up front. Those that's were John Riggins, right? And who were their quarterbacks? Not Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They, they were all different. They were they won three championships. And the one thing that's consistent about the three championships, 82, 87, 91 coach was Mark May, Jeff Bostic, Russ Graham. Who else am I missing? Those three, those are, those are like Hall of Famers mm-hmm. right there. Uh, uh, Joe Jacoby, excuse me, the best one on the freaking line. They won because of those guys. Just think about this. Seisman and Reagan. Doug Williams. And Timmy Smith, mm-hmm. okay, Mark Rippon, yep. and Ernest Biner. There Ernest Biner is the best out of all the players that I named out of those six. Those are the quarterback running back combination mm-hmm. for the Redskins. And they just, because they built with an off, you're exactly right, they built an offensive line and defensive line. That's all the Redskins would do. They would make sure they dominated those parts and they just filled in everything else. You and all of a sudden, you're exactly right. They, they come in and all of a sudden they're trying to buy every single corner, defensive end, wide receiver. The Redskins have done that since Schneider came there, and they have not done. So maybe they have not even come close to winning. Maybe Roger Goodell and his finding of the Washington Redskins, which you so much approve, maybe he did the, the uh, Daniel Snyder and the Redskins fans a favor in a sort of a backhanded way. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, guess what? There was there was another team that also was penalized. It was not as bad as the. So the Redskins would just take a guess out of the other 31 teams which one it was that manipulated the salary cap. I'm going to guess the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. No, you were wrong about that. But Tampa Bay has signed Vincent Jackson and Carl Nix. Yep. Uh, uh, Carl Hicks, uh, the the uh, the guard from the the Saints. That's a huge signing. But no, it wasn't the Bucks. They 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 went manipulated. It's a real easy choice, Coach. Whatever when I tell you, you're just going to laugh because I can't force. David Olson, who do you think? Oh, uh, San Francisco. Oakland. No, it's the, da- Oakland. the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, the no, Oakland would have been a real. That would have been the second best guess. Uh, Jerry, Jerry uh, Jones and the Cowboy, huh? 
Yeah, the Cowboys did it, Coach. Yep. So they 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 only lose like it's not thirty six million off of this year's cap, mm-hmm. like five million. And just to make sure that the the NFL players don't get screwed over, because you know it's one thing to say the Redskins you can't spend thirty six million dollars, but that means free agents out there have a little bit less demand possibly for them. So because of this, the other there's twenty eight other teams because two teams did get penalized, but they don't get the share of it. But 28 other teams get all the extra money added to their salary cap. So because of this, like the Bears get an extra $2 million to spend on players if they need to this year. Mm-hmm. Lots of financial Perfect. talk here. The two guys at a mic show, one right. of our rules is we typically don't get into it that much. But yesterday was an exceptional little NFL free agency talk. And again, the big dog overall happy with uh, the Chicago Bears choices. 888-463-6748. More news to be made and. uh the big prize in the whole thing, big dog, Peyton Manning, kind of quiet. Now, we haven't heard any uh, significant rumors, at least in the last 12 hours and 23 minutes. I've got the ticker tape going. Yeah, it's got to be down to only, like, what, three teams, Coach. I mean, who really – if it's not Tennessee, uh, Denver, or or Arizona, I'm really, really going to be shocked at this point. Cause I'm I hearing remember... rumors that Steve McMichael and the Chicago Rush might Try to bring Peyton to the uh, Arena Football League, which, by the way, is very close to going bankrupt. Uh, uh, but I have uh, I have a great story I about think... that league too. Did you, did you hear what just happened I, in that league? I think I did, and this is a great story. Go ahead. So basically, uh, the players were sitting in the, right before the game was about to start, what, and we're what talking team? like four hours what team? before a game. It's down in Florida, I believe it was oh. the Jacksonville team. This is a different story than I heard. Okay. And about four or five hours before the game, the players like stood up and they're like, we're going to go on strike and not play tonight unless we get a $300 a game increase in pay. Mm-hmm. They're already making 400 And the owners are like, no, I'm not going to let it happen. I'll give you $100 more. And they're like, no, they all walk out. So they just get on the phone and start calling people that they cut, a bunch of other uh, people. They, got it. they were able to field a football team in time within four hours. Okay? They go out there and on their opening night, they actually won the game. <laughs> Without one practice? Without one practice or anything. Oh, my God. The the backup quarterback of the opposing team switched teams, though. (laughs) So, like, the coach, the coach realized, like, the coach, the opposing coach gave him, like, two players, like, that were, like, important players. Like, all right, I'll give you a guy who can snap the ball and a guy who can throw it. And they found the rest of the guys off the street, and they won. That's unbelievable. And, like, and I got to be honest with you, Coach. This is arena football. These, they know these people are 13,000 people showed up. Okay. I understand that, you know, you, it's a tough game and blah, blah, blah. And you want to get paid. You can pay $400 to go out there and play a football game. Okay. And then you're going to hold somebody up a couple of hours before the game. I hope none of them play football again. I, 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 I like to be, you know, solidarity as a team, but I would be the last one that would have joined in on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, guys, I really don't want to yeah, strike, right. but I'm only because of 23 you guys are, but you're right. quite honest with you, I'm about to get $400 to go run into somebody at full speed. I'd do it for free. It, you're right. It's it's a great feel-good story until you bring that point up, and you're right. The players, in the by rights, by the true sport ethic, you had fans coming, the team had been practicing, they owed uh-huh. it via sport ethic to get out there and play. You just ruined a good story. Now, the one I heard... Briefly, no, no, and that might be a great story. Huh? It ended up it, 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 a bunch of other guys that just wanted to play the game came and showed up. It was a yeah. great story. Well, that yeah, that's the part of it that's the great story. 
But what I had heard uh, on the Arena Football League, and I think it was this morning, so it must have happened last night. I might have this wrong, but I think the owner of the Pittsburgh team took the team out to the Olive Garden for dinner last night. Mm-hmm. Fed them a nice dinner at the Olive Garden, and nice dinner at the Olive Garden. Some people might say that's a bit of a quandary. I'm a big Olive Garden fan, by the way. But And then after dinner, he basically uh-huh. fired the entire team and told them we're starting all over. All 24 guys were let go after, so he got them, got their tummies filled. Probably okay. a couple, a couple of glasses of uh, you know Olive Garden's finest wine, and then he canceled the whole program. You know, he probably went to the 9.99 all they could eat buffet <laughs> yeah. at Olive Garden, which they have. You know that guy isn't springing yes. for anything else. So not only does he fire all those guys, he put that poor freaking Olive Garden out of business. There's no way they can handle 24 football players with with an appetite. No way. That, that Olive Garden, it just went under. He ruined two businesses in one night. Wow. Son of a bitch. Wow. One feel-good story, one uh, not-so-feel-good story. How about that? The arena football. Funny, a worse feel-good story? This thing is, is the worst. Okay. This guy by the name of Mike Williams is coaching basketball in Massachusetts. Okay. Middle school. Sixth, seventh, and eighth. Well... The opposing coach, you know, he had beaten them after the game. He, he didn't like uh, how, like, the other team had run the score up a little bit, confronted the coach, talked smack. The coach didn't want any part of him, tried to walk past him, so the guy bit his ear off. Mike Williams, yep. sixth-grade basketball coach, Massachusetts, yep. bites an ear off. Yep, I heard that story. His Ooh, picture his that, picture was all over the Internet. What a Lulu. Seriously, coach. I like six of me. How... I'm, I, I'm as competitive as anybody. I'm also, there's a part of competition that is this, you don't lose your cool. That's part mm-hmm. of the competition. No matter what happens, be, be handle your, your yourself better than the other coach did then in a loss. You know, there's always Didn't ways just to get in a fight. He actually bit part of the guy's ear off. Now, was he, he was a parent, not a coach, correct? No, no, he was, yeah, he was a parent and a coach. And a coach. So, he yes, he was the coach. His kid is on the Son, I mean, his son is on the team, and basically mm-hmm. is like, son, if the going ever gets tough, fight near. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the wonderful life lessons you can learn through youth sports, huh? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, and you know what the son said, huh? What? What'd you say? I couldn't hear you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, big deal. We gotta get, we gotta, we gotta make a transformation. We can't talk all NFL football today. Part of the limits, unfortunately, of a one-hour program and again we invite our listeners to check in your thoughts anything in the world of sports we got so much going on off of sports to the elections or the uh, primaries yesterday with rick santorum and newt gingrich making a move we got our governor of the fine state ex-governor about to enter prison we got saint patrick's day coming up this weekend all kinds of uh stories going on that i don't know that we're going to be able to get to i also wanted to bring up the uh well it's not an obituary because it's not a total death but the encyclopedia Encyclopedia Britannica, big dog, has bit the dust. It's going computer only. There will be no more book encyclopedias for the youth of America. It's about freaking time. <laughs> I can tell you're all I broke mean, up about encyclo- it. The Encyclopedia Britannica, yeah. by the way, is a tradition and it's awesome. Like none other. Not ripping it. But if there's any particular thing in the world that should be only based, like, in a computer or in a cloud, per se, is Encyclopedia Britannica. I have never actually seen anybody use them that weren't, like, in a library. 
people buy them, put them up in their homes, never open them again. Yep. I don't know how many trees have died for this. When it is the perfect, <laughs> like nowadays, the way that like oh, like a Wikipedia type uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Yep. I mean, it's just so much better. But big dog, I, you I have to admit. Idea. You're right. They pretty much sit in its dead tree, and I forgot the ecological factor of the death of Brit- uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. That escaped me. Uh, I'm not sure why, but it did. But you have to admit, you're having a dinner party on the rare, rare occasion when you when you stroll over, maybe wearing your uh, you know smoker's robe. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you got some boxer shorts underneath if company's over, and you pull out the nice Encyclopedia Britannica from the bookshelf. A really a a lovely piece of furniture, if you want to call it that, decoration. Mm-hmm. And you look up something from the book. You know how you got it resting in the elbow and you, maybe you're smoking a pipe at the time? Yeah. And you kind of leaf through it and you pick out the information. For that brief moment in time, you have to admit, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And uh, it, it makes the Encyclopedia Britannica all that much so, worth it. And I feel bad the kids today will never experience that. I mean, no, I'm going to have to totally talk with you. I'm going to have to agree with you. If you, the, the people who listen to the show, they realize that I'm kind of well read. I mean, like uh, I, yes. I do stupid research when you're not. Like last night, I'm researching uh, this. Uh, there's a place in uh, Homestead, Florida, called Coral, uh, the Coral Castle. That I, I want. I said, I'm going to have this guy on the air eventually one day, Coach. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just fun news. <laughs> when my dad died, I got a bunch of his stuff. I got more of his encyclopedia. So I got this, all these books that are downstairs, uh, you know, at my house. There are always people coming here. And I swear to you that the amount of people that go to my my roommate's swank collection is at least 50 to 1 in terms of my Encyclopedia Britannica. So trust me, that one time at the dinner party, somebody <laughs> will be like, hey, uh, what was the name of the boat? The German sank the Lusitania. No, it wasn't. It was Louisiana. No, it was Lusitania. <laughs> So that one time we got to use it, Coach. Yeah, there and I go. got the Fubu with the loose. It was worth it. Whatever, <laughs> everybody, oh, I didn't see the, I didn't see the Juno sub and swing uh, issue. I'm like, no, we got the Encyclopedia Botanica right next to it. <laughs> I can see you're all broke up about it. Uh, <sighs> but it is a sign of the times. All right, very quickly. Very yeah. quickly because the weather is so nice today. We do have to do, you know, if nothing else, for our producer, David Olson, for all the new two guys and a Mike fan, it's a bit we used to do. Back in the morning break days, the Midwest hunting and fishing report and dog with the weather so spring-like. There's a lot of fishermen that are like a month and a half ahead of the game here. I thought we'd do our Midwest hunting and fishing report on their behalf, with your permission. Yeah, go ahead, Coach. David, I'm not feeling that the big dog is totally buying into this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's either this or we'll do it tonight at the uh, at, at the uh, Playbook in Niles. Oh, no, we definitely need to do it now. All right, here we go. Chicago's lakefront salmon and trout biting well. It's also some of the best coho run in decades. It is like game fish school that have moved into Chicago area from the Montrose Harbor. So things looking good up in the lakefront, particularly with the coho, Big Dog. Uh, I mean, have you ever seen a a flatjack sale on on a Sunday morning after church when people have been drinking all Saturday night? Those coho will run faster than that, Coach. <laughs> All right. At the LaSalle uh, Beach, not the LaSalle Beach, LaSalle Harbor, whatever the hell you want to call it, 6 a.m. to 1230, uh, biologist Ken Clodfelter, that's his name, folks, reported good largemouth and smallmouth. <laughs> I swear to you, I'm reading off this. Uh, Ken Clodfelter. Well, 
Big Dove. That's his name, Ken Clodfelter. Especially on the east end, a few smallmouth were 4 to 4.5 pound. Blue catfish also remained in the area, but apparently the largemouth and smallmouth, according to Ken Clodfish at the LaSalle Harbor, doing very well. Maybe we should go out and uh, spend some time with some fish for me and some fish for you there. Possibly. I'd only do it if Ken Clodfish is there, though. All right, at the Area Lakes, I don't know what Area Lakes is, but cityfishing.com has reported good bass at Bussy in four feet with a red eye. Part of the beauty of this, David, is I read it, and I have no idea what I'm reading, but I leave it up to Joel to decipher. With red eye, shad, lipless crankbait. He emailed that, the, that he's finding green weeds in, the, in some of the Area Lakes. Uh, which is kind of, it's, it's rare because most of the water is so polluted that typically you don't get green, uh, you don't get anything green in those lakes. The only thing that's green in those lakes are the bodies. It's possible, Big Dog, that there was like a couple of proms there the night before and that might be the green weeds he's coming across. Oh, well, speaking of those green weeds, just want to let you know that one of my friends has been, he is now one of the judges. And you know how, what a privilege this is? at the Emerald Cup that is going on in Colorado. Because, you know, uh, medicinal marijuana is legal now yes. in Colorado. Absolutely. And he was he's actually one of the ten judges at the Emerald Cup. This, I mean, it's coming up like it. we got to have this guy on the show, Coach. Absolutely. Uh, before, the, before the actual judging, and not after. After the judging, I don't think we're going to get much of an interview. This is the best way for me to explain it, Coach. <laughs> But beforehand, yes. <laughs> so you just brought up green weed. I just remembered that I had. I, I mean, right. this I like a personal friend is actually one of the judges in international competition. So to put it gently, the timing of that interview is key. Oh, yeah, we definitely don't want to do it after <laughs> the competition, All okay? Right. Because his mouth's going to be full of Cool Ranch. Moving right go. along, there are people. <laughs> there are people on the edge of their seats at the edge of something over at the Chain of Lakes, Big Dog. Crappie fishing, and David, for the first five weeks I did this Midwest Fishing Report, I called it crappy, but we were informed it's crappie. Crappie fishing is the best I've ever seen it. Greg Dixon of Triangle Fishing Magazine has reported the weather is being consistent with the warm-up, not flip-flopping water levels are rising slowly. With the current walleye bite should be good, but the crappie fishing is good as he's ever seen it, according to Greg Dixon. That's at the Chain of Lakes. And don't expect it to change. It's not like we got any snow that actually would flood out the area, so we're not going to have any spring flooding. So you can continue to expect that great fishing for the next couple of weeks. So no reason to to run out there because the, the crappie isn't going to eventually become crappy. Fishing expert and enthusiast Joe Rodwanski joining us for a brief moment in time here at the Illinois River. We have a lot of good listeners, good friends, Big Dog, that uh-huh. hover around the Illinois River, and hopefully they don't hover too close. Tom Majewski. Of time on the water, outdoors fishing reported lots of Sauger, S-A-U-G-E-R, in the 1.5-pound range, and more walleye than usual, the jig and minnow. Not sure what that is, but the jig and minnow is the best he's seen. Again, that's the Illinois River, River according to Tom Majewski. Well, uh, I guess the Asian carp are getting their butt kicked this year. Because anybody fishing on the Illinois River talking about any other fish besides the Asian carp is a good thing to hear as uh, somebody that makes their money on the Chicago River, Coach. No question but about it. No, I have no idea what you just said, but there's no question about it. Finally, Big Dog. <laughs> 
finally out on the Shabona Lake. You know how we do not want to forget our friends up at the Shabona Lake area. No, we would hate to do that. <laughs> Shabona Lake Fishing Report. Lakeside is open. A couple of muskies have been reported. Crappie remain deep in the trees or at the bottom of fish cribs and brush piles. Water is warm through the 40s. That's the report at Shabona Lake. Apparently, the muskies have been reported very good. And, uh, you know, it's always, you, you find them at the bottom of brush piles and at the bottom of trees. <laughs> i got to tell you, that's some of the easiest fishing you have to do is walk up to something and pick it up at the bottom of a tree. Yeah, you don't even need save on bait. Again, in a boat, in a fishing pole. Save on bait, yeah, absolutely. You bring it back, nobody will know the difference. You'll be all the better for it. Uh, our fishing report, now don't forget we have our hunting report, too, and our hunting report is... Hunting report is our hunting report, big dog. What the hell is wrong with hunters? When you think about it, they go out in groups, wearing camouflage, with guns, and they look at animals, sometimes stare them in the freaking eye across from a river or probably across from an area where the animal can't attack, and they shoot animals? That's a sport? That's a game? I struggle every time I try to sympathize, I try to understand it, but I cannot every time we bring up the hunting report. i got to say what the hell is wrong with these people. I do not understand the thrill or whatever they get out of killing animals. There's your goddamn camouflaged hunting report for the day. Thank you very much. I, I have a very dear friend of mine, and, and he's been teaching me a lot of real important things. And, and uh, he, has, uh, he has three children. And uh, he's got a he's got a had a real good job as a construction worker, and he he made a good life. And his wife is a teacher, and they are, they're going to end up losing their house soon because he hasn't had any work to build. And he feeds his family by hunting. And I'd say he's one of the most respectful mm. human beings on the planet. And if more people acted like him, we we probably wouldn't be in conditions where. Uh, 30% of their people are getting foreclosed on their homes in the wall. Interesting. So I throw that out there. A different, uh, I'm glad you did. When, the, I'm when glad. the crap hits the fan, when the crap hits the fan, uh, I'm not going to be going to a banker for help. I'm going to be to a guy who knows how to catch food for help. See, that's why I like the big dog. I mean, your average jock sports guy is not going to give you a response like that. That's outstanding, big dog. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm not sure if it totally takes away my, my rant. Which is substituting? No, no, no. I, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah. If we're just doing it for the heck of it. Yep. Like you want to be Trump's son. Hey, I killed a baby elephant. Yeah. For the sport. You know, there's, there's 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 something different. I got like my buddy Kevin. A few other people know. I mean, these guys. It's like mm-hmm. nothing. They're like an Indian. Nothing gets wasted on the whole freaking thing. And in fact, I'm afraid to go to his house. I mean, just tell me I'm not eating the testicles. No, you're not. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, another. Uh, Midwest and Hunting Fishing Report brought to you by your good friends, the Big Dog and the Coach of the Two Guys in a Mike Show. If you're interested in being a sponsor, not sure why you would be, but if you are interested in being a sponsor of this particular segment, email us at Mike. Two guys at AOL.com. Yes, David, are you interested in being a sponsor? Well, no, we had Cabela's on the phone, and they heard your little rant, and they hung up, so. Damn, free coach. Sorry, Big Dog, I couldn't resist. Okay. That that typically though, if I can remember back in the annals, that's typically how the hunting report usually ends out. We never quite make it into the actual forest preserve. Thing fishing. No, yeah, we don't. Yeah. We, All right. Hey, do. NCAA March Madness dog, unbelievable because I did not watch the end of the BYU Iona game. I didn't think there was any reason to. I already saw one 
incredible comeback in the first game of March Madness. And I pop open my ESPN uh, college basketball highlights this morning. Are you kidding me? BYU came back from 25 down to beat the uh, the Vowell University, also known as Iona. Did you watch it, Big Dub? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I watched both games, uh, start to finish. And we're watching Iona. Like, me and the boys were watching, and we're like, man, this team is – they really are as good offensively as everybody's been saying. They had 55 points in the first half. First, first half, coach. First 16 minutes, yeah. For 16 minutes, that's right. That's right. And then they ended up with 72 for the end of the game. Whatever BYU did to adjust, which I got to be honest with you, I was watching the game as people were at the house and really paying attention to it. I don't know what they did to change it, but whatever they did worked because they held them what, 55 points for the first 16 minutes and 17 points for the last 24. Amazing comeback. Largest comeback in the history of the NCAA tournament. Absolutely incredible. Down 25 in the first half, down 15 at half. I thought it was over. BYU comes back and beats Iona. And Big Dog, the game before it was the largest five-minute comeback in the history of the NCAA tournament. So you had two games, Western Kentucky, the Red Blob, coming out of nowhere, knocking off Mississippi Valley State. Two games to start off March Madness. I hate to put pressure on the rest of the tournament, but is this by any way an indication of some of the great games we might have coming uh, starting tonight and tomorrow? Yeah, so for uh, people like for me who was complaining about the, I don't like the fact that a team with a tw- seat, blah, 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 seated 12 has to win seven, while another team that's seated 13th only has to work six. Wow, coach. They did everything. They put up two best games that they possibly could to start the tournament. My God, I could care less what numbers were next to those names. Those matchups were ridiculous. And I got to laugh in the first game um, when Western Kentucky came back on Mississippi Valley State. They were down 13 with like the five minutes to go, and they asked Clark Kellogg, well, can they come back? And Clark Kellogg was like, no, this team can't come back. Didn't he? he did. He's like, no, this, this game is over with. Like, they showed nothing. He's like, well, if they hit a bunch of threes, obviously they'll be back in the game. You know, and that's kind of how he left it at it. And I don't blame Clark Keller for saying that because up to that point, Mississippi Valley State had played about as poorly as a team could play. They had, what, like 25 turnovers in the ball game? Coaching it was, you hate to put down those two. And by the way, correction, 16 points. 16. With five minutes left, uh, it was as poorly played of an NCAA turn. I can't remember watching two college basketball teams, Big Dog, that there's no other gentle way to put it that played nervous. I mean, they, they were just making re- sophomore. I wouldn't even put them on high school varsity teams. The mistakes that they were making, just dribbling off their foot, throwing passes away, missing. It was really, it was exciting the last five minutes, but it was a really poorly played game. Yeah, that is you're, you're exactly right. As a matter of fact, President Obama was uh, he was interviewed at halftime, yes. and he like kind of like apologized to like the Prime Minister <laughs> of England, being like, "This is a really poorly played game." You know, like, he just like wanted to remind. This isn't how it normally looks. Yeah, <laughs> that was ugly. Yeah, David David Cameron, the British Prime Minister, in there with. Uh, Barack Obama, and boy, being interviewed by Clark Kellogg, either both those two are a lot smaller than I thought, or Clark Kellogg's a lot bigger, because it looked like a giant interviewing. i never seen Barack Obama seem so small. Well, yeah, well, he's 
Clark Kellogg is about six eight. Yeah, he's a big dude. Great yeah, announcer, by the way. Great announcer. And Clark Kellogg after the game, when Western Kentucky put on just an incredible last five minutes to pull it out, he said, and he's watched you know a ton of college basketball. The guy's been doing it for a lot of years. Said the most, not the best game, but he said it's the most amazing turnaround in a short period of time he's ever seen in a college hoops game. Pretty strong statement. Yeah, and I can't I can't think of anything better than that. You know what I'm saying? I really can't. So. By the way, if you're Mississippi Valley, I asked my son this this morning because he was watching with me. And basically, by the way, when it was 16 points, I fast-forwarded. You know, I'm watching. On t- I fast-forwarded to just watch the handshakes. I just wanted to see if something happens at the end of the game. So I stop it right before, and there's like 30 seconds left. And it's a tie game. I'm like, what? So, boom, <laughs> I rewind it all the way back to the five-minute mark, and I watch the whole uh, disheveling, that's the best way you can put it, take play. If you're the Mississippi Valley State coaches, yeah. at what point, if ever, do you go back and watch that last five I, minutes? You can't. You, you, you can't, Coach. That, Never? That was as gift wrap of a game as I could possibly explain it to somebody. And, and, and how many layups did Western Kentucky miss on the comeback drill? It's not like... You would think, oh, Western Kentucky played perfect in the last five minutes. No. Uh, overcome. no, they didn't. They missed like, <laughs> easy shots. You're like, and when we were watching this game, I'm like, gosh, when we have Mississippi Valley State scored, and we're like, where did they have gotten? They didn't get a rebound or a point. They scored one point in the last five minutes. All right. Hey, real quick, as we're winding down, Playbook tonight. We've been advertising it all week and last week. We sent emails out. Big Dog and the Coach, we will be there tonight at the Playbook in Niles, more information at playbookchicago.com. It is a great sports bar, Big Dog. The food, as we've tasted a couple times, quality, all kinds of drink specials, and we'll be hosting a March Madness special, uh, including a little matchup between Derrick Rose and LeBron James. Yeah, it's going to be awfully good. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight, and you have a chance to win some money, people, yes. to go out there and play the games with us. Thank on, a, you. on a scale of 1 to 10, what will your behavioral disorder conduct be like tonight? Uh... Uh, I'm going to have to go around at 8. Okay. And we did have two emailers that emailed in yesterday in capital letters. Please. No assless chaps. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll see you tonight, Big Doug. Sounds good. 7 o'clock, Playbook Chicago. i Niles. PlaybookChicago.com for all the info. David Olson, thank you so much. We'll see you back on the show 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.